Well, welcome back to another scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth, and I've got some creepy, creepy stuff for you today, boys and girls. As you know, that season's coming to an end, but don't be worried. Because I'll be back. We got some great stuff coming, guys. I'm excited. This is episode 104. This is... Uh, no, this ain't the last one. Yeah, this is the last uh, one of the season. Then uh, next one will be uh, season three. That's kind of hard to believe. Season three already, man. It's crazy, guys. But hey, man, this season's came to an end. It's been good. Hope I'm keeping you entertained with some great stories I find. And sorry if I sound like, uh, you know, Forrest Gump reading sometimes, but my dyslexia kicks in and I have to stop, 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 stop it. But anyways, just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening. Our numbers are getting bigger and bigger. I mean, it's not a big, big climb, but it's, I mean, I'm getting downloads every day consecutively. I'm getting uh, at least five or six new members a month. So I- I'm loving it, guys. Y'all guys are doing good, showing me some love. And hey, man, let's interact more on the uh, Facebook page I got called Ghost Stories Told from the South. And uh, Lexi's going to be starting to swing in more on these things, too. So we'll just uh, see what she's got in store for us. And uh, we might uh, have a little special we do, a little bonus, and uh, be me and her doing something. But just want to say thank you, guys, to everybody who listens. Like I said, our numbers are growing. Even in other countries, they're growing. So I'm fucking glad, excited. You guys are awesome. That's all I can say is awesome sauce. But, yeah, it's 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 good. I love it. But I found some great stories to talk about today, guys. We got <coughs> the Fox Hollow Farms murders and hauntings. And it's a, is what that was in Illinois. I stumbled upon this story. Um, uh, watching the Travel Channel, one of them paranormal uh, stories when they talk about, you know, the when they buy a house and it's fucking haunted real bad. They, they I can't remember the name, but that's where I found out about that one. It's really good. I really uh, think you guys will like that one. And then we got the Concord Atkin House in uh, Savannah, Georgia. It's uh, had some bad history in it, and it's haunted. Then we have the uh, Chrysler mansion in staten island new york that one is uh got some bad history and it's uh haunted too they say so it's gonna be a great show and for a little bit of an episode a little bit of a treat today what i'm gonna do it's gonna be a very long episode so i hope you ain't got nothing to do you're gonna relax kick back you know so uh it's gonna be after i do this uh these stories then i'm going to uh go back to the vault and we're going to listen to the uh, episode uh, 52 from last year. Yes, because that was uh, our uh, one-year anniversary then. This is our two-year anniversary. But, yeah, I just want to say thanks once again, guys. You guys are awesome, man. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, but... We got some good stuff lined up, and I guess we'll get this son of a gun going. What do you say, guys? Let's go. First of all, find you a nice warm blanket. 
a nice cup of coffee or some cocoa. Sit by the fire, relax. Put the covers over you, but don't get too scared. Because Stephen's got some great stuff to talk about today. So kick back and get get scary. And uh, we're going to go. All right. <clears throat> Our first story, like I said, is the uh, Fox Hollow Farms Murders and Hauntings. Unveiling the Horrors of Fox Hollow Farm. Step inside a suspected serial killer's house of horrors if you dare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a quiet corner of Indiana <clears throat> lies an 18-acre estate haunted by its brutal past. Fox Farm, a country manor outside of Indianapolis, was once the home of the uh, once w- once was the home of Herb Bumsmider. Bumsmider lived at Fox Hollow Farm with his wife and children throughout the early 1990s. By day, he operated a... uh, Okay. By day, he operated a side of uh, third, third stories. To friends and family, he was a successful business, businessman and a devoted father. But darkness lurked beneath the surface. Beginning in 1993, reports broke out of young men vanishing from, in, from the Indianapolis gay bar community. Acting, acting on a tip, police investigating Broomsmitter's property, there they uncovered <clears throat> a terrifying reality buried, where'd I go? Buried in the surrounding woods. At first, hundred, at first, hundreds and then thousands of human bones were scattered across the estate grounds. A starting new patriot of Broomsmurder emerged. At night, he would uh, at night he would cruise the nightclubs of Indianapolis and pick up men who were never seen again. Authorities suspected Bumsmider of murdering at least 11 men at Fox Hollow Farms and burying their remains on his property. Though there have been many additional victims, unfortunately, we never know the full truth. <clears throat> Soon after the authorities discovered the bodies of his, uh, on his property, Bumsmider... Broom, fled to Canada and took his own life. So the chicken shit never really got to tell a story of how he did it, why he did it, or anything. He just fled to Canada and killed himself. He was probably a sick fuck. Well, I mean, he was a sick fuck. But Word of Bumsmutter's suspect serial murder spree spread fast through the uh, wake of his death. So, too, did uh, whispers of otherworldly activity at the Fox Hollow Farm Estate. At the uh, Fox Hollow Estate. Now seasoned uh, Arthur and paranormal investigator Richard Estep 
has partnered up with the Fox Hollow's current owner, Robert Graves, to un- unravel the dark history of Herb Smitter's in the uh, paranormal activity that haunts the estate of this, uh, haunts the estate to this day. The horrors of Fox Hollow Farm dives into the tragic past of Fox Hollow Farm, piecing together the uh, criminal case of Herb Bumesmurder and examining the uh, otherworldly injuries that still linger in the air. Oh, the, the otherworldly energies that still linger in the air. Join a step in. Oh, join a step in graves as they deliver detailed insights to into the original Bumesmitter's investigation and venture into Fox Hollow's darkness, cor- darkest corners, in search of the uh, supernatural forces that haunt the property. In- include included in the book are. Detailed descriptions of paranormal activities from chilling EVP recordings captured in the apartment above the garage to a terrifying run-in with a Mandelvault entity in the basement pool. Horrors of Fox Hollow Farm is set for... uh, Okay, that's just talking about the book this motherfucker did. I don't care about that. Okay, this is another, some more stuff on it. Like I said, I got a bunch of crap on it. Okay, this starts out by saying, my family and I had settled into the new house. Oh, this is the people who bought it, who uh, basically, uh, one can't, these are the first ones that came public with hauntings being set there. So this is in the story through the eyes of the uh, people who bought it. My family and I settled into the new house in no time at all. At first, there was no indication that anything might be wrong. Our boys enjoyed enjoyed running in the woods and swimming in the pool. Vicky and I became to realize just how much work was involved in maintaining a house the size of a Fox Hollow farm. But that was uh, okay. It was what we had signed up for. Then, for no apparent reason, everything changed. Yeah, it's letting you get comfortable, and then it's like, I'm haunting, bitch. Vicky was down in the swimming pool working on the uh, household chores of that morning. The boys had uh, tracked in some dirt and gravel from the outside, and so she was just using the vacuum to clean up the floor. When she started doing the task at hand, she was taken by surprise when the vacuum suddenly switched off by itself. Looking across the room, she could see that the plug was no longer in the socket. It was laying just a couple of inches away from the extension cord, and it had been pulled out or unplugged. Thinking that she had reached the maximum range of the power flex over the power cord, and uh, then she uh, pulled it from the uh, outlet. She went over to plug it in again. She went back to her vacuuming, and the vacuum died again. With an intimate sigh, Vicky plugged the cord back in. 
This time the cord was setting more than a foot away from the uh, cord's cable socket. And she uh, could see that the power cable on the vacuum was still... Oh, sorry. I forget. I'll copy these on the back side to save my paper. It still had too much slack. There was no way that this, uh, that she had managed to pull it out of the socket three times. What the heck is going on here, she's thinking. Vicky is a uh, scientist by profession. Before she came to live at uh, Fox Hollow Farm, she wasn't one to talk about ghost spirits, ghost spirits, but try as they try as she might, she was unable to come up with a uh, a, a rational explanation for what had happened to her down there by the pool. And so many people fed to do to do. She uh, she shrugged it off, and shrugged it off as being just one of those things that happened. And went back to finish, finishing vacuuming. Moments later, the power cord was pulled from the outlet as, there, as though it had been given a forceful tug by some kind of invisible uh, force. Vicky was looking right at it when it happened. To say that it startled her, but when an uh, under... When, okay. To say that it startled her would be an understatement. She was being uh, confronted with some kind of uh, phenomenon that absolutely defined explanation. I mean, think about it. That would scare the teetotal shit out of me. Think about it. You're sitting there vacuuming. Someone unplugs it. Go back to... Someone unplugs it. Okay? Then you go over there and someone yanks the shit out of it, but it's just you vacuuming. Yeah, I would have crapped my pants on the left. Oh, but what they didn't say at the first part of that story, when they bought the house, or when they was looking at the house, the guy and the, the, man, and the, the man and the woman asked him, why is this house so cheap? I mean... It's a beautiful house. It's out here in the woods. Why is it so uh, cheap? And uh, they told him what happened. Him and his wife thought about it. And they went ahead and bought it. Okay. Now back to that. Where was I at? Okay, as if that weren't enough. She sighed that presence of something unseen in the room with her. And it felt like someone was there. She uh, she told me offward. And I got the uh, strong sense that this invisible someone I did not want me to be in there. Uh, this invisible someone I did not want to meet. Ooh, and they see and they got pictures of this place too. I mean, it's a cool-looking house, but after knowing what happened there, it's creepy. And down here in the pool where she's talking about, if when you watch the uh, documentary about it, the story about it, that sick son of a bitch would have mannequins in the basement everywhere. Because what he would do was, <clears throat> when his wife was uh, on on vacation visiting her 
sister or her mom, he would go out and do his thing. So, you know, <clears throat> he was a twisted dude. Okay. Un unbeknownst to either of us, Vicky had just had her first encounter with the ghost of Fox Hollow Farm, and it would never, ever be the last. Several months after moving into the Hollow Farm, the Fox Hollow Farm, I learned that the uh, co a co-worker of mine named Joe LeBlance was uh, in need of a new place to live, having a lot of extra space in the house, which uh, happened to include an apartment uh, suited above the... Uh, garage i suggested to i suggested him to take a look at it to see if he uh, might be interested in uh you know renting it the rooms are roughly uh 1200 feet in size and has a uh counter oh it okay of 12,000, of 1,200 feet in size and constant of a uh, bedroom kitchen and a uh, suit bathroom. They can be accessed from the inside of the main part of the house itself, but in order to give anybody a concern, a little more privacy, he could also be uh, entered from the outdoors by means of a wooden staircase that ran up the side of the uh, building. See, and that was a beautiful house, and because of his dirty actions, that son of a bitch, it's never going to be the same. Okay, where was I here? Here, where was I here? Okay, in the ship that started... Okay. Did I do that? Leave it at the right spot? Oh, no, I had one more to go over. Okay. Uh, Joe came to take a look at it and, it, and it was a great delight. He thought that it would work out just fine. It, uh, I felt in uh, oh, and he uh, when Joe moved in and asked about the asked about the place and told him yeah he could rent it. Then the uh, owner, the, his coworker, told him about the story and the murders that happened there. And uh, said it's a pretty, they haven't heard anything or had any ghosts at that point. And he said, oh, okay, no problem, I'll still move in. So he moved in. Joe moves in, and a uh, month later, we helped him uh, move his stuff, carrying his things up the stairs to the apartment that would become his new home. He had quite a few uh, belongings, and hauling it all up there was uh, hard, was hard work. Everybody was glad when the last box had been moved and we called all the jo all the job done. Now all that remained was uh, Joe for her to unpack his things. Oh. Oh. That. That. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Can't talk tonight. Oh, that first night, uh, Joe experienced a very vivid dream. Through perhaps it could be more accelerated by called called a nap a nightmare in it he was running disparently through the woods and getting the sense of an overwhelming sense of fear 
and a compulsion to run for his life. He was convinced that something was chasing him, something that was both extremely bad and very dangerous. Through he could not, though he could not see how, see who or what it was. Nevertheless, all his instincts told him to flee, and Joe awoke, setting bolt, setting, setting up straight up in his bed, bolted right up, and his body was still in uh, fight or fight or flight mode. He leaped out of bed and ran, ran still half asleep. Slamming his head into the uh, door frame. Ow! So basically this guy had such a bad dream and it scared the shit out of him that bad. He got up out of his bed from dreaming this and started running and hit his, hit his head. That's crazy. Joe fell to the ground, his head throbbing with pain. And lie, and he, and he laid there for a moment trying to gather himself. He never had a nightmare that instantaneous made him fear for his life. What had been running, what was he running from? Joe had had no idea. Perhaps he, uh, perhaps it was just a bad dream. These stories that Vicky and I told him about what, uh, what Herb Bumeister had done at the uh, farm had somehow gotten to him and had triggered something in his sleep uh, sleeping mind. So that's what he was figuring it up to. He didn't figure it was a ghost or anything. Even then coming to a full awake awakefulness and lying on the carpet with his heart pounding in his chest, Joe felt the urge to run away. If he had known what else was to come he may have done just that. Taking care of a taking care of ha, of a house and taking care of a house on the grounds the size of Fox Hollow Farm reminded me of the old Navy uh, saying about painting a ship. You start at the front and work your way AFT. By the time your paintbrush. Okay, by the time your paint paint by the time your paint brush rushes brushes the back of the ship, you need to start all over again from the front. I ain't never heard that. I ain't a fucking sailor though, so I couldn't tell you. I was working on the top of the ladder uh, one afternoon when I heard Vicky's car pull into the driveway. Glad that she was home from work. I climbed down, put down the can of paint then I had been, that I had been using to uh, recoat a part of the house and waved, over, and waved her over to come see my uh, handiwork. <laughs> yeah, his handiwork. It was a bright and sunny day with very, with very clear air and good visibility. A far cry from the uh, city life and darkness. And uh, anyways, Vicky stood there. Vicky uh, stood there listening to me talking about which pane of the which parts of the house I my, I had painted. I did not realize until that afternoon 
but partway through she became distracted. Something had caught her eye off in the woods, woods to the uh, side of the house. As she described the sighting to me a few months later, Vicky at first thought that we had a trespasser on the grounds. She had seen the figure of a young man in a bright, bright red denim jacket, a bright red shirt and denim jeans, walking through the forest without an apparent care in the world. It looked as if he was taking an afternoon stroll. The man's back was to Vicky, so she could not make out the face. Just as she was about to call out to the man. Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. Just as she was about to call out and ask the man what on earth he thought he was doing, it suddenly uh, dawned on her that most of his legs were missing from the uh, thighs down. There was nothing but empty air. Now, that would creep me the fuck out. See, that right there would tell me to leave. I would get the hell out of there. Before she could say anything, the apparition vanished right in front of her eyes. Before she could say anything, the apparition... Oh. One of the slight drawbacks about living in a place like Fox Hollow Farm is that we, uh, we tend to attract more than our fair share of unwanted visitors, usually in the form of serial killer... Uh, fans who want to visit the visit the sense of a who wants to visit the scene of a of a crime to see it for themselves. Vicky and I took okay. Vicky and I take such things very seriously, and I very low their showed for calling the uh, police when. We catch trespassers on the property. Unfortunately, with the uh, thought of a stranger wandering around in the woods behind our home, I had, oh, I had, I headed straight for the spot where Vicky had seen the young man disappear. Perhaps he was, perhaps he had just vanished into the uh, trees and greenery. I reasoned rather than uh, literally disappearing into the uh, air, into thin air. Vicky's eyes might have been playing tricks on her at the end of a long, tiring day at work. So, so I searched the woods all the way out to the fence at the edge of the property. Nobody was to be found, at least of all a man in a bright red shirt. Looks like... Uh, Looks like you might have been, you might have seen a ghost, I chuckled. Only halfway kidding, Vicky, only halfway kidding, kidding, Vicky looked troubled, and rightfully so. With her scientific background, we had a hard time believing in the things that went bump in the night. So did I, for that matter. But Fox Hollow changed all that changed all that for both of us as it would go on to do many other uh people over the through the years and still does to this day so that motherfucker's still haunted wouldn't that be cool to be a free do i want to do a podcast in a live 
haunted house. Vicky said, I know what I saw. Vicky insisted as we made our way back to the house. She was trying to process decide, process deciding to come up with a non-paranormal explanation for seeing a nearly legless figure disappear into oh disappear in plain sight in broad daylight. She was at a loss for words, and she was so confused. That was only the first sightings. There would be others. <clears throat> it was it was the end of Joe's first week living in Fox Hollow Farm. In the apartment's kitchen, he had finished eating dinner and was standing in the sink washing the dishes. Somebody knocked on the door. Figured it was Vicky. All right, he called out at the door. I'd be there in just a second and grabbed a dish towel and dried his hands off. I said, I'll be there in a minute, you peckerhead, Joe hollered from his comfortable spot on the floor in the living room. Fred the dog set up suddenly. All the, uh, all the hackles rose along his uh, spine. And Fred let out a low, he was, his eyes never leaving the door. Opening the door, Joe was surprised to see nobody was there. The landing at the top of the staircase was empty and nobody was a distance was a distancing anybody in the distance was on the uh, steps or even at the bottom. There was uh, no one uh, there was nowhere uh, hiding. There was n- there were no hiding places for a prankster to be lurking. When Joe asked us later, we were uh, able to confirm that whoever had knocked on his door at night and at, at, knocked on his door that night. It certainly was a member of the uh, Graves family. Oh, it certainly was not a member of the Graves family. Whoa. Now that's weird, Joe said, taking more than himself than to uh, Fred. He was beginning to feel like uneasy, just, just ability creeped out at what had just happened to him. He started to feel as if an invisible somebody was with him to was with him in the room, silently watching him, just as Vicky had felt down felt down in the pool room with the vacuums uh, cleaners, power cables was yanked from his uh, socket. Well, you know when that incident happened is what I'm trying to say. He was sure that he had, he was, he was sure that he was, god damn, I'm sorry guys, I'm fucking this up like a soup sandwich. He was sure that he had Fred, were not, that him and Fred were not, not alone in there. Attempting to shrug it off, he sat down to watch a little TV. Suddenly he saw a flash of movement from the corner of his eye. Whatever it was, the search, uh, whatever it was, the source of the movement had been behind him in the direction of the uh, kitchen and the uh, bedroom. Fighting to overcome the sense of growling dread, 
Joe decided he had to get to the bottom of this. Although it was not the uh, last thing he'd really wanted to do, he got to do he got to his feet and went back there to investigate. And nobody was there. So, I hope you all enjoyed that story. Yeah, that place is... When I watch the... Uh, <laughs> go look it up on YouTube, man. It's fucking creepy. But, man, it, I mean, you gotta figure. There's some sick shit that happened there, man. That guy was very twisted. Now, my next stories probably is, aren't going to be that long. But let's take a little break. I got to take a little drink and uh, get the whistle wet. And we will be back with our next story, guys. Well, how's everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is it, some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, babies. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day. Talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts. Do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. Uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, babies. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dined with kings and queens. Slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that commercial. Our next story is the Conrad Aiken House in Savannah, Georgia. They say artists are tarted. They say artists are tarted souls. This is certainly the case with Concord Aiken, American poet, or 
Yeah, Conrad Aiken. I'm sorry. An American poet. Arthur N. Playwright. The family background goes a little something like this. Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winning poet Conrad Aiken was born in 1989. The eldest of four children born to, a, born to wealthy parents, Dr. and Mrs. William Ford Aiken. The family lived in its beautiful house at 2228 East Oglos. Oglethorpe Avenue in Savannah, Georgia. Sad, sadly, ch uh, childhood, sadly, the childhood of Con Conrad and his three siblings was not so happy. Ooh, got an ugly sister. Uh, was not a happy one. Their parents argued constantly, and tensions in the house were, and the tensions in the house was the norm. Anna, Park, Anna Porter Aiken was a charming and beautiful socialite and, a, and as such loved to spend money on all the uh, finer things in life. Dr. Aiken, as a respected eye surgeon and inventor, suffered from mental illness. Today, he may have been diagnosed with the uh, paranoid personality disorder, but back then it went undiagnosed. Uncontinually annexed about being, uh, being instituted by one of the family members, member or another. When asked the simple question, how are you, Dr. Aiken would invertly reply for an answer to the question. For an answer to the question, I have to refer you to my lawyer. <clears throat> yeah, the guys went fucking cuckoo, apparently. In February of 1909, 11-year-old Conrad was filled with annexy when he listened from his room as his parents argued about money. Unexpectedly, he heard his father's loud voice count, one, two, three... Next came Conrad's mother, piercing screams as a resounding gunshot went off, and then another Con Conrad quickly tippy-toed from his bedroom into his parents' dark room to find both their lifeless bodies sprawled into the floor in blood. His father had murdered Conrad's mother, then took his own life by a shot to the brain. Both were only uh, the age of 36. The young boy immediately ran to the police station for help in later years. He wrote, After the uh, disallure and early morning quarrel came the half-stealth scream and the sound of the father's voice counting to three and the two loud pistol shots he had tippy-toed into the dark room where the two bodies lay motionless and, par and apart and finding them dead found himself Poised of the of uh, them, uh, poised of them forever. Now they do got the actual article that's came out of, but it's fucking very hard to read. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
We can't really read that, so I'll skip that. Because, like I said, it's got the actual deal. But okay, okay. Then Conrad went to okay. Conrad went to live with a successful yet haunted life. Haunted life, like he wrote through his parents were forever gone. They entirely poisoned him. Multi marriages and his own mental illness inter interrined with his great with his great work in the liter in literary science, where he wrote where he wrote dreamlike, sometimes nightmarish poetry. Conrad also served proudly as a constellute in the poetry to the liberty of Congress. And the uh, poet literature for the state of Georgia. Twelve years before his death in 1973, the poet, poet was offered the uh, opportunity to live in his parents' old house at 2228 East Oclethorpe Street, free of charge. Drawn to his old home, but repulsed at the same time, he chose instead to purchase his house, purchase the house next door at number uh, two three zero. In his senior years, Conrad spent a uh, significant amount of time in Savannah's uh, cemeteries or cemetery where his parents are buried. He even had a marble bench built next to their graves which he would later serve as his own tombstone. Let me make sure I got this right. Nope, nope, here we go. Okay, now we're going to talk about the hauntings. Another doctor purchased the Aiken, the Aiken home at number 2228 after, Con, after Con, Conrad Aiken's death. He believed it to be haunted, seeing orbs and hearing... Countless strange noises, so he argued to a paranormal investigator and uh, in, an inferred video indicated more than 50 orbs. The digital voice recording captured a male voice whispering, Do you want to know what I know? Investigators were led to the uh, conclusion that the spirits of the Aiken parents still live in the home as if uh, as if nothing ever happened. And the home is uh, considered one of the most haunted houses in Savannah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me get another drink here. Okay, our next and last story is the Kreischer Mansion in Staten, Staten Island, New York. Man, this fucking shit's small. Well, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do, guys. Them two stories were kind of long. Let me see if I can get this one read. I'm going to have to do this. God, my bifocals can't even read this. 
We're gonna do the it's. All right, ready, guys. Slamming doors, disembodied voices, and sounds of children's footsteps are just some of the strange things that have that have happened at the haunted Kreischer Mansion located in Staten Island. Oh, God. This one's going to be a tough one. Somehow my printer printed that stuff up. Let me turn my light on. Higher. Oh, yeah. I just have to take my glasses off to read this one. <laughs> okay. A wealthy brick manufacturer named Bellas Belisar Kaiser built the uh, Victorian home in 1985 and in, in, in 1885. In fact, he built twin mansions for his sons, Edward and Charles. Edward and Charles on top of the hill that overlooked a neighborhood called Kaiserville. Okay. Rick Rick Rispola, who is a longtime concert promoter, was at the mansions uh, last summer promoting uh, upcoming concerts when he occurred a strange event. One day, he and his assistant were walking into the house when they heard a woman crying. Isabeth Marina, Ma, yeah, Marino, who works with Respola, explained, We came in one day and heard doors slamming and women crying and a woman crying in the second floor. Then we heard what sounded like a child's sounded like children's footsteps and no one and no one came in or out the same day the front door slammed shut behind him the crime woman is believed to be the spirit of fred kershaw who was the wife of edward excuse me ferretta and edward both have reportedly been seen around the location as well as an unknown woman wearing Victorian clothing who is often spotted sitting on the uh, mansion's porch. I mean, that's a big freaking house. Another person who works with the uh, Respola named uh, Carlo Corey claimed to have seen the ghost of a young boy while she was getting the Location ready for the hayride and haunted house event for the Halloween for Halloween. In fact, many people over the years have reported seeing a young boy running around the property while the while they believe is one of the uh, Bartolos Kreischer's many children. Three of their children died young, so they uh, their spirits could be one of them. In 2005, a man was uh, brutally murdered inside the mansion, and his body was chopped up and burnt in the uh, house's furnace. 
Is that not a recipe for a reckless spirit and a mean soul? The house has even uh, been featured on the t on a television show of the episode uh, Boardwalk Empire. Some 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 parts of the movies movie was bleh, movie was shot on the property, as well as some scenes from Gotham. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Yes. That's the house to go to that one time. Ah, okay. As for as for paranormal shows, the mansion was featured on uh, Ghost Hunters as well as Paranormal Lockdown. Lockdown, bitches. Oh, I see. You're a dick. Now, I printed the other one. In big letters, so I can see it better and wear my glasses. Prick. Okay, now I'm not for sure when this happened, but this is talking about an incident that happened there. Joe Black and oh, this is about the thing that happened in 2005. Joe Black and three other men got their hands on. McKevley and used the abandoned mansion to kill to kill him. They stabbed him with a knife, but McKinley battled for the uh, bolted for the door. The other man attempted to stop him and grabbed him and strangled him. However, he did not die yet. Eventually, the four men took McKevley to a uh, shallow pool in the front yard and and drowned him. His uh, corpse was then transported to the basement, cut into small pieces, and they uh, burned it in burned it in the in the furnace. Listen to me, I'm all in the, in, in the furnace. The FBI took a full uh, took a full year until they were unable to fully investigate the murder, but then the furnace in the uh, basement had been removed. But there was enough evidence to sentence Joe Black. In 2008, to life in prison. In 2009, Galstro received a received a 20-year sentence for ordering the hit. Today, the Chrysler Mansion is a uh, stark reminder of our centuries of life and death of New York stories. Some people say the Edwards Crusher's uh, straight or distraughted wife haunts the uh, hallways. While others speak of a German cook who was killed in the home, still bangs pots and pans in the kitchen. Wailing children have been uh, have also been heard. However, despite the gruesome dismiss, McKinley's ghost, McKinley's ghost have been spot or her ghost has been spotted uh, too. The Chrysler Mansion was uh, visited by Nikki Crawford on Paranormal Lockdown. The final episode of the season. Although currently one of... Oh. Well, anyways, that's it for that kind of creepy place. I bet you that's got a lot of history, too, to it. Man, that's going to be on my bucket list to do some of these uh, uh, places to go to. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm not over yet now. Remember, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and we're going to play episode... Uh, um, episode uh, the 
episode uh, 54 from last year. And then after that, I'll get back on here and we'll close the show down, guys. So I hope you enjoyed this little tidbit. We'll uh, see how we celebrated last year. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Ghost Stories Told from the South. This is your co-host, Lexi Lebooth. And I am your host, Stephen Lebooth. <laughs> we got some skelly, skelly stuff for you, girls and girls, whatever. <laughs> I was trying to say ghouls and ghouls or whatever. Ah, fuck that up. It's okay. It's okay. It's been one of them kind of days. See, is it just me or does my head, does you, does you still hear that busted sound? Yeah, I think we need new headsets. Yeah, I think me and Lexi busted our headsets. Well, there's uh, certain buttons you can hit on hit on hit on here, and it makes stuff really low, low. And then there's a button you can take it off of that, and it makes it super loud. Yeah, yeah. And it uh, whoo, it does. It's got a crackly, wackly sound. Yeah. Or, or it might just be my eardrums from uh, Lexi screaming. She's still over here going, uh, uh, uh. I, okay, when you turned it up, I heard, like, the staticky stuff again, and it, like, you know, like, when you hear a sound, it, like, brings back memories. Oh, God. I heard the sound, and it shot. Had flashbacks? No, it, like, sent, like, a shooting pain to my ears, and I was just, like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh, God. Well, this is, like she said, ghost stories told from the south. <laughs> this yeah. is Lexi Booth, my co-host, and I'm Stephen LeBooth. <laughs> we got some great scary stuff for you. Of course, I effed up and just go. Guy, I have one story. Dad, Dad lost his notes. Yeah, they're somewhere around here. I've got this printer now, and I've been click happy, so no telling where I stuck them. Yeah. Well, um, I'm gonna warn you. All my stuff today is based around daycare centers and babysitting places, so. Mm. Yeah, just because like I wanted to talk about like stuff that I experienced at work, so but I wanted to also not just because I don't have enough stuff for like forty five minutes. Yeah. So I was like, let me look up some other interesting stories because I'm pretty sure that you know. And also, I want you to know um, that this some of the stuff isn't like oh we saw ghosts. It's like people died here. Or, like, this person died here, or, like, this terrible, awful thing happened to this child. So, like, imagine, like, the ghosts, or, like, what's left there. Kind of leaves you, like, a pondering, wondering story, stuff like that. <clears throat> oh, and we forgot to tell everybody. This is the last episode of the season. Oh, yeah. You believe that? We're going to go to season two. Season two, Ghost or His Tale from the South, is going to kick off next week. Yes. Um, but this is the last episode for season one um it's been real and it's been fun oh god it's been really fun we're gonna have a lot more fun too guys i hope we uh keep y'all entertained well, i mean of course we do we keep having people liking our stuff which we thank you so much yes thank you it's so awesome much we love it but yeah. i wanted to say that real quick and then we'll get on with the stories yeah well all right i think this is how we should do this um i want to go first and then I'll let you do yours, just because, like, I'm yeah. really in the mood right now to talk. <laughs> and it's, because I really can't mix my stuff. I don't want to mix it with, like, that, you know? Yeah. Just because, I, I don't know, I'm being weird. But, yeah. She's being a weirdo. So, um, I'm going to, like, talk about, like, some of, like, the stories and stuff that have happened places. Um, 
and yeah, and then after that we'll talk about what I've experienced at work. Because it's a besides, little bit. Besides kids punching her in the face and saying, I poopy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I give credit to daycare workers or whatever because it's it's not the easiest thing. But, all right. So this first one is called Child Gets the Gold Treatment. So I've never heard of this, but this daycare facility was open on New Year's Eve. And the... Staff was like, hey, let's take these kids out to experience snow. <laughs> um, but it was, like, really, really cold, I think, like, in the negatives. And they had jackets, but, like, they're babies. Like, they're, s- don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, they went outside. Oh, yeah, so it was a double negative degree weather. So <laughs> um, That's always fun. Like, and it would have been fine, like, if they, because they weren't, if you take your kids out there and, like, really, really bundle them up for, like, I don't know, like, ten minutes. Or even five, because it gets, if when you're cold, like, that, it feels forever. If you get to that cold, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, that would be fine. But, like, um, like, they were out there for so long. Um, so some of the, so the kids went out there during day hours, right? The parents came to pick up these kids, and the co-workers went to the rooms to get the kids, and they were like, wait, where's this class at? This, these people aren't in here. They went outside, um, and the, uh, one of the little girls for that, from that class got left outside. Um, <laughs> it's, I don't understand how you can leave, like, a child outside. Um, but basically, the father went like ballistic, and he like went through the facility like looking for the daughter, and he found her outside. Um, she was uh, in the furthest corner, like she was way like way out there, and she was covered by snow, um, and she was in like grass and mulch. Um, so sorry, so. sorry, Flexi's not as fast as this as she usually is. <laughs> She didn't highlight her stuff at the yeah, house. Yeah, I didn't highlight my stuff. So like, and as I have highlighters, but they're not the ones she likes. And I kind of forgot to highlight. Um, but it's Mine are fine. like gel or something. I don't know. They're stupid. Yeah, they're weird. Um, but, you know, I paid for them. I don't want to waste the money. Yes. But, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I just sound like creepy, basically. Like, not creepy, but like... Like, because she died there. So, like... Makes you wonder, like, oh, does she haunt it? What does she do? Yeah. So. You never, never know. Yeah. Well, like, whenever I was looking at this stuff, I was like, I don't think of daycare places being haunted. I mean, like, it's safe for children. Yeah. But, like, the stuff that I found, and it wasn't even, like, bad, bad, but it was, like, eye-opening, I guess, that, like, stuff happens more than you think it does. Yeah. So. Um, it's like, what the heck? Yes. Okay, so this next story is called Abusing Children. Uh, so this place, uh, this story took place in Mississippi. Um, the owner, the daycare owner and operator ended up being arrested for neglect. Um, and a nine-year-old boy and his mother, um, the uh, nine-year-old, it just said a nine-year-old boy and his mother might still like be charged with like the... Um, <coughs> little, uh, potential abuse and assault charges. So, jeez, yeah. 
um, basically, it was all caught on camera, and, like, nothing was done about it. So, like, this kid was being abused, and, like, <laughs> there was evidence, but nobody was doing anything about it. Um, the daycare center allowed the nine-year-old boy to run around the un run around unsupervised for 20 minutes in the daycare um, while he waited to be picked up and brought home. Um, so, I'm going to say this real quick. He, so, when I say abuse in the story, I don't mean, like, normally it's, like, the adults picking on the kids. Or I'm going to say picking on, but, like, the adults messing yeah. with the kids. This time, it was the kid messing with the babies and, like, the older like the kid, like the, yeah. Like the nine-year-old is picking nine. on the smaller kids. Like it was so, he would run around and he would abuse like every other child in the daycare, like until he went home, and, like hit them and stuff. Um, he would like punch and kick and push around other children. Um, and then <laughs> this like broke my heart. This kid picked up a two-year-old child and, like, purposely dropped him on its head. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Um. The parents... Uh. I, I didn't See, say. what's wrong with a kid that young to want to do that? I didn't think about doing stuff like that when I was at nine years old. I was too busy, wor too busy worrying about playing with my friends and wrestling and football and... Yeah. I just, Nothing I like that like, ever crossed my head. I was just starting to learn what girls were. I was dumbfounded when I found that out. But So the parents of that child that was dropped on its head noticed like a really bad head injury whenever they got home that night. Um, they took, um, I mean, they immediately questioned the daycare, and then they called the police. Um, then the police started the investigation on the daycare. Um the daycare worker that, like, saw it and didn't do anything about it was, um, I guess come to find out she was negligent and didn't watch any of the kids on end. So, like, that was just one of the kids who had many, like, who went ballistic. There's a lot of other kids who was doing it, too, I guess. Um, but the child that did the abusing, he had to go through, like, law stuff. Yeah. Like, court and stuff. So, yeah, I read that, and I was like, I guess I work in the daycare, and I was like, How? But then, like, I was thinking, like, because the emotional trauma stuff never, like, never leaves. It stays there. Yeah. So, like, when you walk through, like, do you feel? Like, what does that feel yeah. like? And if you do, then that's kind of what it, so. I thought it was cool. Not cool, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Then this next one is called Cost Cutting Daycare. Um, so the... well, that gives the name, and it, it says in the name of the place, cost-cutting daycare. What the <laughs> hell? I wouldn't take my kid in no place that said cost-cutting. What the fuck? What are you cutting <laughs> to make it affordable for me? You're not giving them lunch? you uh only letting them crap once a day? Uh, only one juice bottle? What are you doing? Uh, um, the owners that were in charge of this daycare were extremely cheap, and they were like money-grubbing, money-grubbing, as they say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so much that they pretty much refused to change diapers. Oh, my God. So, and I've talked to Dad about this before because it has happened. Um, but the owners told the daycare workers to only change the diapers. The child had made a poop in them and then to only change the, the child's diaper right before they 
the parents came in to get their ah. kids. So, like, unless they poop, they sat in that stuff all day. Oh, God. See, that's bullshit. And, like, the ba- like you get cranky when you're sitting in your own stuff all day. Yes, your butt, after a while, gets rashes. And then babies yeah. can't do nothing about it. They can't scratch it. They don't know what's going on. No, they just, they know just their ass scream. Um... The parents were not aware of this, um, but they were told that they could buy extra diapers for an extra buck a piece. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, Why don't they just bring their own? I don't know, but they, I, I guess it's not allowed. But I guess the daycare was already really expensive, so like the parents were like, this is so stupid. Um, many of the children developed diaper rashes and other infections, which alerted the parents that something funny was going on. Because like, if you change your kid's butt... Yes. Like every two hours, and every time they go to the bathroom, then and it shouldn't if be you that. Put gross. diaper rash cream and stuff on it. It's not going to get that bad. Like only you'll have my, breakouts. Yeah. But. Only time my kids ever got bad was Jackson. He was Mister P a lot. Man, you had to put a fresh diaper on him at night, and by morning it looked like I left him in it for two days. Oh. Remember how saggy oh, he yeah. did sometimes? Oh, it was bad. And I'm like Jesus. That was overnight, fella. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, this next day there was, uh, the, um, so yeah, no, there's two parts to the story. Sorry. Um, so basically the the takeaway from this is, you know, they cut diapers down. They didn't use them because they, yeah. And they wouldn't allow the parents to bring any extras. They made the parents buy them off of them. God. (laughs) So next part of this is, um, this is about a young boy who's abusive to one of the teachers. Instead of punishing the child or giving him a talking to or even like talking about the issue with the parents, the daycare fire- fired the worker using the reason that enrollment numbers were down and keeping this employee on was using up extra dollars the center could save by letting her go. So, like, the kid was mean and abusive towards the, the just, teacher yeah, and they were the like oh the teacher doesn't fit here so bye <laughs> yeah. and then it talked to the parents or anything um yeah <laughs> that's that's the, uh, the the other stuff doesn't matter but yeah <laughs> i don't i just don't understand no that's crazy yeah wow oh <laughs> this next one it's about the kids getting drugged at daycare so <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, this happened in 2013 when a 59-year-old daycare um, worker was arrested for and charged with child endangerment. Um, so why she, while she was employed at this uh, daycare center, she would just drug these children with sleeping pills before their nap time so that way they would sleep quietly. Um so she and she was employed here for like five years so she did this every single day for five years and her idea was like okay i'm gonna have to do it four times so she would give them four times as much they would sleep like four times as long as they were supposed to sleep for and she was responsible for a one-year-old one-year-old and two she was responsible for one and two-year-old kids um but like she would literally knock them out (laughs) And, like, as soon as they get there, give them sleeping medicine. And then be like, okay, you're gone oh, for the rest of the day. They was great. <laughs> I wonder great. why my kid don't sleep at night. Yeah, because <laughs> grandma knocks them out. Wow. Um, 
she got caught, and the only reason was because a parent came to pick up her kid a little bit early and noticed a glance through the window and catch a glance of the teacher um, putting um, a pill into the kid's pre-nap juice. Um, and then she was tirade and she admitted to it, and yeah. So, but, like, I still, I don't understand. <laughs> um, That's dumb. Yes. All right, this is my last story, and then I'm going to talk about my stuff. The top in there. So, um, this is about a daycare worker that has abducted, abducted, abducted a child. So she posed as his five-year-old's mother and took her from the classroom. Um, but like, so it said it in the article. It's like it pointed it out. So like the teachers and the people in charge see these kids every day, and they didn't notice that this kid's mom looked like somebody else, and they just let her go with her. Um, she, you know, got away with kidnapping, and they think that she did not act alone, but she never, but the person never did give up the accomplice's name if she had one. Um, so the adapter, the, the person took this child, kept her for less than a day, and they abandoned her in an empty playground where the child was later found the police, found by the police. Um... And she, so the five-year-old child led this, these these cops straight to the kidnapper's door. Oh my god! Yeah, that she's smart. Um, she did it. Yes. So she also worked at a daycare. Okay, so she they investigated her and come to find out, she were she was duct duct taping children to the mats to enforce nap time. <laughs> Oh, my God. What uh, are you doing with that duct tape? You're going to bed, little Billy. Yeah. Um, and then the only reason the parents ever found out was because someone took a picture and the parents saw the duct tape and they were like, well, what are you doing? So, uh, yeah. Um, and then I guess like three men were caught using drugs after hours at the, day the daycare center. Um. The owner of the daycare was the mother of one of the suspects and was unaware of the offenses taking place. She claimed her son broke into the facility and the police was alerted to the situation when they received a call from help from the facility on a Saturday night. Um, because the thing said one of us overdosed and needs medical attention. Saying like one of them needs help. So I need help. Yeah, and that's it ended up not being, that's not what happened. But all right, so I'm going to talk to you guys about my stuff. And I don't think I've really told you any of this stuff either, so, like, it'll be, like, a surprise to both of us. So. How do you get a drink? Well, it's getting good, nice weather for uh, ghost exploring. Yes, it is. Here in Texas, it's been raining for goddamn. Like, about a week and a half, just nothing but rain, rain, rain. And it was so sunny today. Oh, it was Everybody so was so out. good. Anyway, so. Did I ever tell you about my walkie-talkie in my room? Oh, no. So, yeah, at these daycare centers, I don't know how many people do it, but I've seen the ones that Brock do it. Um, we have walkie-talkies to communicate with each other. Like, if we need a bathroom break, we I'm like, hey, can I get a bathroom break to the infant room? Or, hey, if I need, I'm out of breast milk for a baby, or if I need more formula or more bottled water or a spoon or something, I just walkie and they bring it to me. Um... And, like, in case of burnt cheese and stuff like that. So, 
I have a fridge and a microwave in my room. I would always put this walkie against the microwave and a water bottle in front of it so it didn't fall. But I always had it there in case I needed it and I could get it like right then and there. <laughs> I was, me and all the babies were on the same side of the room because I was giving them all a snack and <laughs> the walkie flew across the room. On its own? Yeah, on its own. Like legit. Just oh God. The, it went underneath on the other side of the room under a crib. Under a crib. Um, and we, all of our, ba all of us babies looked at each other and out. we were just like, yeah, okay. And then we went back to what we were doing. Yeah. Picked up like nothing happened, but like, it scared me so bad. I'm also, so the daycare center I work at is also in a church. So it's like a, you know, it's, I, and I'm closest one to the church connecting part. And I don't <laughs> like, you know, yeah. maybe that's it. And I, you know, it's, I, I don't know. But, so, also, second thing, no, if I told you this either, but we have this whiteboard in my room that I use, like, to keep track of, like, when to feed them and change their butts, um, while I'm doing other stuff. Everyone has one in the diaper changing rooms, but, so, mine was, you know, on the wall, and <laughs> me and all the babies were in a circle on the floor playing, and this thing just came off and, like, fell but, like, it didn't, like, fall. Like, if it's like if someone were to take it and throw it. Golly. I was like, oh, okay. And then I told my boss, I was like, hey, my board's not working. Can you fix it? And she's like, yeah, I got you. She's like, that's weird. This never happens. And I was like, oh. <laughs> then it, it happened me. again the other day. So I just said, forget it and got another one. Golly. You know, it's getting that type of weather, too, for our uh, table fan, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. The old crotch fan. The crotch fan. Oh, all right. Um, The computer is messing up again. It's froze. It'll come back. Okay. Sorry. It's all right. I looked over there and I was like, there's no way that I'm not. It's not. I'm not. I can't. Like, I'm not. It's like 25. Yeah. Anyway. But the next thing that happens is like thing, things move on their own, like everywhere. Like, I'll put a bottle somewhere, I'll turn around, it's in a new spot. I'll put this thing, turn this thing there, turn around, it's in a new spot. And I, like, I have two, like, half toddlers in my room, but, like, they can't reach some of the stuff I put up. Yeah. And also, like, no matter what I do, I'm, like, always in a position where I can see them because they are sneaky. <laughs> so, I don't know. This, this next one, because, like, I know that, like, if you have a ghost, they mess with the devices. My Alexa in my room will, like, always mess up, no matter if, like, the internet's good, there's no rain, this or that, like, it just never will work right. And they said it wasn't like that before I got there. What? Yeah, they said we never had issues with this before you got there. I was like, what? Okay. Maybe something likes you. I hope not. So this other thing. Don't I, be bringing that <laughs> shit to my house. <laughs> um, I close a lot. So I will be the last one out. I got to turn the lights off and everything and then go. Well, I was doing work one Friday. And it was not not like this last Friday, but the last Friday. I stayed late doing lesson plans and just getting uh, paperwork caught up and everything and I was there alone just kind of enjoying time by myself and I hear uh, one of my co-workers voice and I was like I just saw you walk out the front door what are you doing 
and she was, I shouldn't hear a response, and I went back. I, okay, <laughs> I don't want to be that person. I, I hesitated, and I was like, are you okay? She didn't answer, and then I went back to look. That's where we always mess up. We always go back and look. Don't do that. Why? Um, Why would you do that? I don't do that. I just, even though if I know it's not what I say it is, I just go, it was the dogs. It was the dogs. Or it was the kids. You're at work. It was the dogs. <laughs> but, like, I get there and I don't see anything, so. Yeah. <sighs> um, I don't know if this is just, like, me, but, like, I see things no matter where I am out the out of the corner of my eye, like, all the time. I feel like that's, like, I don't know, but I always do. Um, okay, so this last one. I don't know if this is because, like, they're babies and it's their mind or because I know, like, the inner, like the more innocent a child is, the more they can see. Yeah. So, like, I Man, will, like, literally. I guess that means I was never an innocent kid. What does that mean? Because I didn't see shit because I was not never innocent. That means I was always a perv. <laughs> uh, um, so, but, excuse me. So, by babies that I watch, I will, like, be playing with them mid-sentence and, like, talking to them. And they'll, like, they'll look at me, like, and then look to the side. And then look at me, and then look to the side, and just, like, dead space off stare. And I'm like, I look over there, and I'm like, oh, is someone there? Because we have people walk by all the time. Like I said, the church people are right there, so, like, they come in and say hi. And I'm like, oh, who's there? I turn around, no one's there. I'm like, okay, I blew it off because I know their vision and stuff. <laughs> but, like, it happens, like, four <laughs> times a day with each baby every single day. That's crazy. Like... And when the one of the older ones is there by themselves, they cha like they play like someone else is there, like another little kid, which is yeah. really weird. But like, <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't know. It's I love it, but it's also like I don't want to, like anything happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could handle being haunted at work or messed with at work. Yeah. All right, well, it is your goal. I mean, mm -hmm. your goal. It is well, your I had goal. more notes, guys, but I don't know what the flying hell I did with them. So I just got one story, and it's called The People in the Floor, the Unexplained Case of Bellamez, the Bellamez Faces. <clears throat> On August 23rd of 1971, the uh, Peru, uh, Peru, uh, Peru or Peru? Hey, you. Sorry. Pre. Oh. Yeah. The the per. Mm. Peru. 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 family. The Pereira family began to encounter strange human-like faces that would appear and disappear in their home, which was located at the uh, Pereira family was at the Pereira family home at. Chile Real 5, or Cali, Cali Real 5, Belmez de la Morlanda. What are you trying to read? That. Belmez de la Morlanda. Oh. Yeah. Morlanda. Anyways, uh -huh. it's places in Spain. <laughs> 
They started seeing various, very various faces have been frequently photographed by the local newspapers and curious visitors. Both locations in in times that the faces appear have been irregular, and like every time they'll go to scrub it, it just stays there. It never moves. Oh wow! It just disappears when it wants to. That's very creepy. Then Maria tried to scrub the stain to remove it, and when it when it's failed. Maria's husband, Juan, and their son, Miguel, destroyed the image with a uh, pickaxe and, a new, con- and a new concrete was laid down. However, a few faces formed on the floor within days of the new concrete. Ain't that fucking crazy? Yeah. They ripped the floor up. They ripped the floor up, guys, and then they uh, have faces appear again. Then the mayor of Belmese of Belmese was informed of the uh, of what was going on about them destroying the floor and new faces coming back up. And then the uh, mayor got the uh, floor cut out where the faces are and got them taken for study. Okay. Nice. Not as nice as me. I need to figure out how to make these shorter. Try to stick more on a page. Within a week, not only the faces reappeared, but had also formed. Scientists also stepped in to verify their authenticity in the test whether they were paintings or some other chemicals arched by Maria. The kitchen was closed off under the supervision of the uh, notary, and three months later, when they left with no answers, the faces were still there. Oh. The uh, painting theory was ruled out, and then there was no conclusive evidence about to, that they could pinpoint on the cases uh, on the case of the faces appearing. They just they couldn't explain it. <clears throat> Many Belize uh, Belmese re, uh, residents believe that the faces were not made by human hand. Some investigators believe that it is a photograph phenom, which is considered a form of psychokinesis. Can why do you say that? Psychokinetic. Psychokinesis. Kinesis, yeah. Psychokinesis, among others. But now, uh, I think the government owns the house because the uh, parents deceased. But here's a picture of the front door of the place. Then another theory was that the uh, house was close to the church and it was probably built on the site of an old cemetery. The floor wa- floor was removed, fully eva- uh, excavated, and human remains were found several feet below the place. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, because remember they took the floor out three or four times, oh. and the faces would still appear. Yeah. Many of these skeletons had no skulls, and the bodies were 
rendered into a normal Catholic uh, cemetery. Some uh, some con- con- some conspiracy some conspiracy reports cite that the excavated remains were to have been dated around 700 years ago. Despite having the floor replaced multiple times and cleaning the faces diff- uh, with detergent and everything else they could think of, uh, they just didn't have any any expl- explanation anymore. Hmm. Well, that's about it. Well, in uh, 2014, an investigative journal from the TV show Carto Maleno, presented by whoever, carried a technical analyst over there to discover the possibility of the hoax. The The research was released by the doctor and the chemical engineer and the general manager of Mondoka, Okay, what was... It tells all these people, but they don't give me what they found. Oh. After extracting some samples from the faces under the house's owner... uh, Under the house... The owner's permission, they analyzed them and concluded that the images were not made with paint or according to science knowledge and uh, techno... Techniques. Techniques employed in the uh, analyst. There is no external man, uh, manipulation. Man, uh, manipulation or uh, elements in the faces. So basically, they're saying they got no explanation for it either. Mm. So yeah, that's pretty cool though. But it's just a little bitty old house in Spain, and God. They tore the house. They tore the floor out three or four different fucking times, and the faces just kept appearing, kept appearing. Dang. Well, all right. I hope that you guys liked. And I hope y'all liked the last episode. It's a uh, last episode of the season, guys. I'm sorry I didn't have much. I swear I had more shit. I just don't know what I did with it. It's all good. It is all good. Well, um, I'm gonna hop off here. I have to go into work early tomorrow. I'll be there from like so seven it's to seven. Time for the Lexi, and I'll get this edited and get it ready for y'all. Cool cats Wednesday, but hey, we do want to give a big shout out and thank you to everybody who listens. And we're probably gonna get about two thousand downloads on our first season. That's awesome. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm proud. That's good. That's cool. Two thousand downloads in our first season. Whoop whoop. Yes. So. Next uh, next episode is going to be season uh, two. That's weird. I know. God. That's weird. But All right. I got my I got I got next month planned out what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to do Sweden, England, London, and some other place. We heard that through the mic. You chewing on your nails? I'm sorry. She's that hungry, guys. No, she I'm don't not hungry. It's my anxiety. Well, like I said. Thank you guys for everything. Remember, we're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, our emails, ghost stories told from the south at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you can get your podcast shows. We are there. Yes, sir. And I'm working on getting the YouTube caught up, and we're going to start doing uh, more videos for the year. So I'm looking forward to the uh, new season. Son of a gun. we got to talk a little bit more. 
It's fine. I gotta go. Oh, I know. I'm just kidding. I was like, but, okay, uh, it's okay. We've done shorter ones. Is it like it's still? Well, I mean, it's still frozen. I don't know if it let me pause it while it's frozen. I mean, stop it. Well, but we'll get it figured out. But you guys always uh, come back for more. We got more ghost stories for season two. But this has been uh, Stephen Stephen Lebouth reporting, and this has been my co-host. Lexi Lebeuf reporting. I almost <laughs> forgot my name. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys have fun tonight, and I hope we didn't scare you too much, little girls and guys. Look under your beds before you go to bed. And this has uh, been Ghost Stories Told from the South, and we'll see y'all, y'all crackers year. later. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I just want to let you know, guys, it's been a fun, fun roller coaster. I love it. This is a great, great experience, great ride, great roller coaster ride. <laughs> but man, you guys are great. I love the uh, support. Love the continuous listeners that listen every time and are ready for the show every Wednesday. I put a lot of hard work into it, a lot of thought into it. And it's uh, nice to see my uh, fruits of the labor pay off, if you know what I mean, there, tough guy. <laughs> but yes, it'll be good. Next year is going to be great season, season three. But this has uh, been great, guys. I want to say thank you to every country that listens. Uh, like I said, go to Ghost Stories Told from the South on our Facebook page, our Instagram page. Talk to me, reach out, tell me your stories. Uh, just Man, let's just keep growing and seeing how big we can get this thing going. Let's see if we can get, uh, let's shoot for some 10, give me, see if I can get 10,000 10, downloads. In a month. That's my goal. Let's see if we can get 10,000 downloads. I think we can, guys. But you guys have been real. Love you to death. This has been Ghost Stories Told from the South. And I'm your host, Stephen LaBooth. <laughs> this is the last episode of the year. See you in season three. But we'll see you next year, guys. Remember, excuse me, I did not mean to belch like that on the freaking radio. I'm sorry. Remember, guys, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Pandora. Uh, we got a YouTube channel going. I've been doing live videos every time, so check us out there. We're pretty much on any platform, guys. So there's no excuse not to listen. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your neighbors, tell your family, tell God, tell everybody. This is the scariest shit around. But I hope you guys are great. Are going to be good. I'm good. Have a great rest of, the rest of the week. Like I said, thank you guys for showing me your love and support. Keep listening to the show because it's going to get better and better every week. But we will see you guys later, man. Ooh, uh, uh, uh.